Today's guest has been in the finance industry for over 30 years, and he's also been a great proponent of education for employees in their 401k plan, as well as retirement planning in general. All the way from Abilene, Texas, we have Ed McGowan. Thank you so much for being here today, Ed. Oh, thanks for having me. Yes. So tell me how, I, I feel like the finance sector, we kind of get sucked into it, but how did you land in this area of finance? Um, well, like Jerry Garcia said, what a long, strange trip it's been. Um, started off briefly when I first got out of the service with a brokerage firm. I was there all of two months. Uh, took me a month to figure out what they were doing and a month to confirm it. <laughs> and I walked out. Okay. Uh, I, then I, I went to work for one of the national financial planning firms. Uh, and I was there for about five years. Uh, I got to a point where I was uh, running a financial planning training program for first-year advisors. I left that company when 126 of us all quit our jobs together and started a broker dealer in Detroit, Michigan. Wow. So you've been working in a lot of areas of education in the finance mm -hmm. sector, um, working a lot, serving for individuals, right? Yes. Um, so what are all those different platforms of education that you've been working in? Were they all in, with the institutions you were working for at the time? Actually, well, yes. So it's all been tied into to what you would call my day job. Um, initially, I started doing financial education seminars, uh, quite frankly, to put it bluntly, as lead generation. I had first-year advisors uh, who were aspiring financial planners, and if you're going to do financial planning, you kind of have to have clients to do that for. <laughs> True. And so the initial seminars were, uh, they were a marketing effort. Now, you know, we were providing valuable education, but at the end of the day, the goal was to generate an interest among people to talk to us about financial planning services. Uh, in leaving that company, along with a colleague, I started the financial, the uh, 401k department of my old company, and education took on a new wrinkle there, where it became a differentiator between us and other firms that were in the 401k business. Fast forward 20 years, I'm now at First Financial, and for the first time in my career, I'm actually able to pursue uh, financial education almost for its own sake. That's amazing. So, That's got to feel so much better than doing it for a sales effort. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I'm, in, I'm the primary administrator for our 401k. Uh, we have about 1,500 active employees in the plan, uh, and I've been given virtually free hand to uh, develop the educational programs for them uh, just to help ensure they, they wind up with a better overall experience. Now, I have always enjoyed people who are passionate about things that they've built, but I would like to ask a challenging question. Is it actually landing with the audience that you were seeking out to educate? I believe so. Uh, I believe so. Uh, the, and it started before me. So the, my predecessor in my job, um, by his own admission, uh, was not a, a, a seminar guy, okay? He, he was great at what he did. He was a fantastic administrator. To get up in front and talk in front of a group of people and do education wasn't his thing. So at one point, one of our portfolio managers filled in for him once and was never allowed to give it back. <laughs> Could he not speak human? What was his deal? He, well, no, the, the, the portfolio manager was such an upgrade. Okay. Uh, because he was much more of a, he had a lot more background in public speaking, 
probably had a little more passion around it. Oh, he was, he, they preferred him over yes. the previous guy. Yes. Okay. And, and, and my immediate predecessor was more than happy to give that up. Okay. So it was a, not into public more speaking. or less a win-win. Okay. And uh, the, Yancey, the portfolio manager, had done some really good work with it. Uh, when I came in, I mentioned that I had a, a strong background in, in financial education, and I was very passionate about it. But I cautioned him that I said, you know, the last thing I want to do is step on toes. Mm -hmm. I said, if you're doing this and you enjoy it, you know, I don't want to step on any toes. He said, I will pull my toes out of the way you step wherever you want. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, a, a hat like that has to tell me you're a good storyteller. <laughs> so I have well, to, thank you. I have to believe that it must be not just something that you're passionate about with giving this education, but you seem like you actually enjoy it. Oh, I have a lot of fun with it. I, I have a tremendous amount of fun with it. Are you a good storyteller? Um... That's really not for me to judge. Uh, let's just say I enjoy it. Okay. <laughs> I had a, a colleague that I started my department with, and, and we used to joke that um, in terms of presentation style, we were both heavily influenced by Buffett. Uh, in her case, it was Warren, and in my case, it was Jimmy. Aha. Uh -huh. So. Okay, I'm going to need a story from you. And I did a little digging, and I did hear from a little birdie that you did <laughs> bodybuilding back in the day. Uh, not that far back in the day, actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It just a few years ago, really. Mm -hmm. Now, um, I'm sure that you have plenty of stories to tell from your bodybuilding days, and I am so curious, but I would love to hear what correlation that you discovered along that way, because I know that fitness bodybuilding teaches you a lot about the things you're already doing. Mm -hmm. So I want to hear from your perspective. Tell us. Oh, well, a um, little bit of background. Um, you probably noticed I'm pretty old. <laughs> Uh, I started lifting weights uh, during the Jimmy Carter administration. And so in the 1970s, there were NFL teams that had only had strength and conditioning programs for a little over a decade. Wow. So. I mean, oh, none of us not knew, too long ago. <laughs> none of us knew anything. And, and we, you know, we took the little bit of knowledge we had and we ran with it. And for most of my life, I would lift weights all winter, so that come springtime, I could hit a softball far enough I didn't have to run. That, oh was, that was the entire goal of the training was I don't like to run, and I want to be able to hit a softball far enough that, okay, I can just jog to second base, call it a double, and I'm good. Okay. Um, spent a year, won't get into all the details, but I spent a year on, on uh, interferon, which is a form of chemo in 2013. I got back out, and I went back into the gym, uh, originally with the goal just to get my strength back. Uh, and then I started dropping weight, and that turned into a bucket list thing that I wanted to actually get up on stage and compete. I had always talked about it when I was younger, uh, never did it, and I figured, okay. Uh, at the time, I was 50, so I set a show five years out to give me enough time to prepare. What was interesting was the, the, you know, the parallels to, you, you brought up a great point, the bodybuilding is, uh, it's an analog for so many things in our life. Uh, I realized very quickly the knowledge level that I brought with me from the 1970s was not going to cut it. Mm -hmm. So I fortunately, in the inter intervening years, the internet had become a thing. Uh, and so I started doing a lot of homework on the internet. And there was a, a website called bodybuilding.com that was invaluable to me because they had a searchable database of exercises 
searchable by body part. Mm -hmm. And so you could pick your weaknesses, you could look up the exercises, they were star ratings by the people who use the, the website. And most importantly for me, they had videos of proper technique. And what was fascinating was I'd been having a little bit of shoulder trouble while watching this website. There were six different exercises that the disciplined way that I was taught to do it was now being warned, whatever you do, don't do it this way because you'll hurt yourself. Oh. <laughs> and so it was interesting that, that it was very difficult to find basic core information. Everything was on, everything was designed, I guess, to get clicks, uh, but it was all about shortcuts. It was all about how to do it faster um, and really how to avoid doing the work. And I find the same thing on a lot, so many financial education resources, it's all about shortcuts. You know, I used to run into it when I was in financial planning, uh, the people that would come in and talk to me that wanted to grill me on our portfolio managers and our derivative hedging strategies and our expense ratios usually had a net worth of about 800 bucks. So they're looking for the quick strategy. And, and honestly, I think they're trying to cover up the fact that they're not doing anything. You know, that's the difficult conversation that nobody wanted to have. It's like, all right, well, yeah, we can talk about derivatives, but why don't we talk about the fact you don't have any money? And what are you doing in terms of saving and fundamental investing to get there? And, and so much of, you know, just last night I did a, an educational seminar for one of our customer companies. Uh, 15 minutes, that's all it took. Uh, I went in and I said, you know what, I'm here to talk about the 401k plan and I've been out there half a dozen times, they know me. I said, y'all, this is not rocket science. If it was, they would not have me doing it. Put in enough to get the company match. Don't be afraid of volatility when you're young and leave it alone and don't touch it. Isolate, just like anything else, if you isolate it down to a few core, easily remembered concepts, that's what's gonna lead people to success. It, that makes so much sense because I, if we've tried to fire hose them with information, how do we know it's actually going to stick? Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't hold that much information in, in one session. So 15 minutes sounds like a, a pretty sweet spot. Is that what you found? I know that you're working on educational videos now. What's the sweet spot minute-wise that you think holds people's attention? Actually, on the educational videos, uh, this is where I've had a tremendous help from our marketing department. Um, or the gentleman that I talked about who kind of got press-ganged into doing the financial education seminars before I got there. Um, our CEO told him he wanted him to go on the road and do that seminar for every one of our locations. Oh, that is a lot of travel. Uh, that's 80 locations throughout the state of Texas. Oh my goodness. This guy had a full-time job as a portfolio manager. There's no way he could do it. And I, I asked him, I said, well, how are you handling that? He goes, I've been ducking him for the last year. Oh. <laughs> Just hoping it wouldn't come up. So my idea, you know, um, Innovation is, is what happens when your aspirations outpace your resources. Mm. Um, oh, I like that. Uh, thank you. It's, <laughs> I, I shamelessly stole it, so have I will, at it. <laughs> I will, I'll keep that going. We'll pay it forward. Um, but, it, but in my case, I had the idea that, well, why don't we just, you know, the seminar that we've been doing for our new hires has gotten rave reviews. Why don't we just film it and make it available to all the employees? Mm. 
And I went to our marketing department, and a young lady there was, was great. She said, great idea. Nobody's going to watch an hour-long video. Not going to happen. Her suggestion was take it topic by topic and break it down into three to five minute sound bites, almost. And so that's what we've done. Uh, we are about 17 different seminars into it right now. Uh, it actually gives me the opportunity, something I might do a minute and a half on in a live seminar, if it's a three to five minute sound bite, it can actually go more depth than I would have in the seminar. Um, so that's available to our employees. And what we're actually doing with it that I love, uh, with the help of one of the best 401k record keepers in the business, we are um, targeting our employees. So from payroll, I'm able to get a, a list of everybody who's not putting in the 5% needed to get the full match. They all get sent a link to the video on understanding the match and how it works. Oh, I see. And the ones under 35 got the additional video on the time value of money. And can you tell, are they watching this? Do you Yes. Have, they are. Yep. Are they taking action? First time out, we had eight more people. That's fantastic. Sign up or increase, which, you know, on 1,500, that's not a huge percentage change, but you've got to look at it as a percentage of the people who weren't putting 5% in, mm -hmm. and it becomes a much more significant number. Um, through a record keeper, I'm able to get a report of everybody who is not named a beneficiary on their website. And so they are all going to get emailed the video explaining, understanding your beneficiary and how to use the website to update your beneficiaries. So what we're going to be able to do over time is fine tune our 401k experience uh, and just be able to isolate, you know, for this quarter, what's the, what's the issue that we want to address. And really, it, it is the way of the times where people are consuming information through videos. Mm -hmm. And so it makes sense to do these snack-sized videos that teach them something. How did you make sure that it was engaging? Because, I mean, you know, those of us in the finance sector, we kind of forget how to speak human. Yeah. So how did, you make, <laughs> how did you make sure that it was engaging? I've been blessed that that's nothing I've ever had a problem with. Um, I, I, in, in some ways, I was, I was fortunate. Um, I had a nice break between college and getting into financial services. And um, walking around the state of Alaska with, a, with an M16 rifle in my hand, we didn't use a lot of financial terminology. <laughs> I can't imagine you would. So I was able to kind of work that out of my lexicon a little bit. Uh, you know, the, way, the way I'll say it in a you know, mildly self-deprecating fashion is, I had to convert this stuff into English so I would understand it. And fortunately, I've never lost that finance to English conversion. And that's just how I talk. I think that's what's needed. Mm -hmm. We need more people like that. Do you think it's going to take more people that have an intuitive sense of communication? Or can we train that in your experience? Uh, intuitive sense of communication certainly helps. But... That's not to say it can't be trained, because well, I've taken I've, I've I've taken people and trained them in this role before in my career. So I'm just taking longer than others. So what would what kind of advice then would you? That's encouraging to know that it can be trained mm -hmm. um, to some degree. What what encouragement or advice would you give to those of us in the pro, the finance profession um, about creating content that would be digestible for other people? 
I think a big one is know your audience, know who you're trying to impact. Okay, so when I when I do um, the education seminar for our new employee orientation, where I work, for example, uh, I am not really targeting a newly minted MBA who's coming to work at the bank as an officer. Okay. Okay. Now, I don't get me wrong. I will provide value to them. Mm -hmm. They're not the core of who I'm trying to reach. I'm trying to reach a 23-year-old Ed McGowan and get them to start putting money away for their retirement 10 years earlier than I did. So consequently, that's who I'm, I'm geared towards. That's who my language is geared towards. Um, I, I, I think over the years I've, I've uh, developed a tremendous amount of self-confidence. Uh, I try to keep from crossing the line into cocky. It doesn't always work. Um, that self-confidence allows me the luxury of, I, I don't feel like I have to impress anybody with my, my verbiage. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of people, particularly new people in the financial services industry, that feel they've got to get out there and use the highly technical terminology to build credibility and impress people. And you don't impress anybody by confusing them. <laughs> I like that. And the encouragement to stay away from buzzwords. Oh, absolutely. I think that the staying focused on one small group, you know, you said a young, a 23-year-old Ed McGowan. That is fantastic because I think so many times we so desperately want to catch them all that mm -hmm. we mix and confuse our messaging by trying to reach every single group at the same time. So thank you so much for your insight and your perspective. Oh, well, thanks for having me. This is uh, hopefully it comes across as something I'm passionate about, and I love the opportunity to do this. Yes, and thank you also for coming to Dallas, Texas.